All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Hey, hey, what's up? This is QLS Classic, April 4th, 2018, with the great Matthew Alfred Yankovic. That's right, y'all. Weird Al Yankovic joins us, and he talks about hilarious songs that Prince would never clear, uh, why he turned down the opening slot on Michael Jackson's 1988 Bad Tour, and how he got away with poking fun at Kurt Cobain, Coolio, Azalea, and many more. Not to mention, I gotta say, this uh, roll call intro is one for the record books. Hope you enjoy QLS with Weird Al Yankovic. All right. Y'all ready? Yep. yep. Damn, you yelling already like you? <laughs> Let's go. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. 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 Rewind selector. Rewind yeah. and come back again, selector. Yeah, what are you? We are in the greatness of of, 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 of greatness right now, ladies and gentlemen. Greatness greatness. Yes, we are in the greatness Some of boy. greatness. We are, in, we are in the yo. We are remixing this roll call. Uh-oh. Thank you very much. Uh oh. <laughs> Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, 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 Roll Call. Yeah. To all of y'all, yeah. I just had the remix. Yeah. The brand new poker Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema, Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema, Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema, Roll Call. Suprema, Suprema, Roll Call. My name is Fonte. This is my home. Yeah. Even Ezekiel thinks. Yeah. My mind is gone. Suprema, Suprema roll call. 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 Suprema,
my name is Sugar. Yeah. I got the sugars. Yeah. I got sciatica. Yeah. And now I'm living with a hernia. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Of all the concerts, yeah. Boss Bill has been. Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. In the top ten. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. Far from a virgin. Yeah. Weird Al is here. Yeah. Like a surgeon. Suprema. Style. Yeah. I am the worst. Yeah. It would be better yeah. if this were rehearsed. That, Yo, was, that was fucking brilliant. Steve was like, they going to beat your ass for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that y'all playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. like that was, last minute, like zero o'clock in the morning. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Shout oh, out to the Roots crew. That's yes, the first time we've done that, Al. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first, wow. Yeah. We've, we've never changed the music up before. First polka mashup. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we had to. We're, we're, we're in the greatness of greatness. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what more can I say? We have one of the greatest... I mean, he shut down his own category. He is a one of one. There, the job is taken. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one weird out. No, it's it's just like you know, you are the greatest parody satire writer, satirist. satirist. Yes, satirist. Satanist. Sat- yes. <laughs> you are the goat. Oh, thank you, man. You are the goat. You are the goat as well. Thank you. I, I feel goatish. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alfred Matthew Yankovic. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. I got to use a government name, bro. Wow. I have to use a government name. And my uh, social security number is 569. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, one, I'm grateful that you did this. I'm thankful because, uh, you know, I've, I've we've all been fans of yours, but. I mean, it's to the point that you're not even a proper noun. I mean, you're a <laughs> verb. You're, I mean. Like a weird out of the song, yeah. I oh, weird out that song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, how, how are you, though? <laughs> well, thanks for asking. I'm doing very well. I just just got back from uh, Hawaii last night. We were there. Uh, we lived there part time, and uh, I'm just kind of getting used to uh, uh, not <laughs> seeing the ocean and 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 flowers and beautiful things all the time. What part thanks of a lot. Yeah. Um, we live in the east side. Well, <laughs> the east side, where he actually put his fingers on like he's too far. Hey, we live uh, out in the jungle. We're about uh, another half a mile down the road, and we uh, there's like no internet, no nothing. We're just, we're we're in the jungle, baby. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why? 
Because it's, it's a whole different kind of Hawaii. I mean, you can go to the west side and there's like, you know, you can have your drinks by the pool and it's very resorty and very nice. But, mm-hmm. but the east side is like old Hawaii and it just feels like, you know, you can really kind of... It's, it's a place where you go and do nothing. A lot of people like go to, to Hana and they go, oh, there's nothing here. Well, that's kind of the point. It's like a great place to unplug. So you need it to uh, sort of recharge and and... Yeah, relaxing. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's a whole, it's kind of like the the opposite of L.A. So a couple times a year, my family goes out there and just kind of unplugs and you know talk talk to the cows, you know, hang out. <laughs> no, you just scared me with no internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was uh, like, we get you away from Instagram. <laughs> Why would you ever want to do that? But I understand it's necessary. Um, where are you from? Uh, from Linwood, straight out of Linwood. Straight out of Linwood, yeah. In fact, Shug Knight went to my high school. What? <laughs> wow! Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait! Sarcasm detector is no, no, broken no. right now. It's, that's absolutely true. Wow. Okay. Uh, Fred Gwynn from the Munsters, uh, Mark Spitz, I believe, and uh, Kevin Costner also went to the same time. Wow! Have <laughs> <laughs> my finger on the trigger already. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, first of all, what were you like as a kid? And I ask that very slowly because I don't think people are yeah. accurate in describing themselves. But, I mean... Well, this might come as a huge shock to you, but I was a little nerdy. Really? <laughs> <It> was just, <laughs> no. No, I was, I was definitely... Well, I was sort of a, you know, sort of a weird kid. I was, uh, but I was always a good student. I was always a straight-A uh, student, the, the kind of guy that you try to copy off of during math class. And then beat up at recess, you know, because <laughs> you try to you gave them the wrong answers anyway. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just mess with them. Uh, but no, I, I was always a good kid. But I was always uh, a little strange. I kind of kept to myself and and uh, ate with the other nerdy kids during lunchtime. That kind of thing. Okay, basically you can relate to my life. Yeah, yeah, every- yeah all of us, <laughs> all of us in this room had that backstory. Um, so your your gift of music. How did that start? Like. Well, uh, I guess uh, it started when my parents decided I should take accordion lessons. Uh, and, and, and why? why? Well, all instruments. They, they put a kick they, me sign on you. They, well, they, I think uh, you know the, the joke answer is that they realized that accordion music was going to take over Western civilization. <laughs> uh, but but really, I think they honestly thought that uh, it would make me more popular because you know when you play wow. the accordion, you're a one man band. You're the life of any party. <laughs> Don't and you the, need like, a little? Yeah. You know something though. They were right. <laughs> in their own weird way. I mean, you're, there's no one in this world that does not know who you are. So it's like... It was actually a, kind of a stroke of luck that they decided on such a dorky instrument because Dr. Demento, the disc jockey yeah. who really mm-hmm. started my career, he says that um, you know when he got my first uh, tape in the mail, he said if it was some teenage kid playing the guitar and doing those same songs, he wouldn't have given it a second thought. But because there was this teenage kid playing the accordion and somehow thinking he was cool he said well that's a novelty that's worth some airtime wow so can you break down for us how the accordion works like as an instrument like how like physically how works read, yeah how it physically works and how you read the music does it is it like a piano or the, the right hand part is like a piano it's like okay we're talking about piano accordions they're different kind of accordions but that's the one i use so the right hand part is exactly like a piano and the left hand part uh is buttons uh their accordions have different numbers of buttons uh 120 is like the standard one okay the top two rows are basses 
and all the rest are chords. Like the next uh, row of chords is major chords, then minor chords, then seventh chords, and then diminished chords. Mm. And there's a lot of repeat buttons because you don't want to have to like do one button on one side of the accordion and then immediately go you That's know another. to the other side. Uh, so you just, it's just you know, looking back on it, it's kind of a hard instrument to learn. And yeah, I, it sounds I, I, really complicated. I figured yeah. out because my I gave my daughter accordion lessons. Like a few years ago, she, out of the blue, decided she wanted to play the accordion, which, you know, I have to say that so pe- they don't send, me, send her to Child Protective Services. She actually asked, <laughs> asked for accordion lessons. And we got her a little accordion, and I taught her some Christmas songs, and she lost interest after a couple of months, but, but she actually, you know, can play a few songs. That's what's up. Is there a, a left-handed accordion for those that whose lead hand is their left Oh, you mean to play like the keys on the left hand? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could play it upside down. <laughs> I've never seen that done, though. That, that's I have no idea. Okay. I, I don't know. Are you related to... Now, there was a clip. When you first came to uh, The Tonight Show to sit in with us, and we did this extended polka jam, and it was based on a Yankovic who was... Frankie Yankovic, yeah. Are you related to him? Not, at all? not, not, not as far as I can figure. I mean, I maybe several generations ago. I'm sure we're all we're all, all related Yankovic's, somehow, right. but but no direct relation. But that might have been another reason why my parents decided I should take take accordion lessons because there was already uh, America's polka king Frankie Yankovic, and they thought, oh, there should be at least one more accordion playing Yankovic in the world. <laughs> so uh, that was that, so tight. So I I actually uh, I met uh, Frankie passed away some time ago, but uh, I actually got to bring him out to L.A. And and uh, feature him in a TV special called Weird Al's Guide to the Grammys mm-hmm. uh, because polka was a category for the first time that year, sometime in the late 80s, I guess. And we did a whole thing where we you know, gave him a fake star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and we did a poolside interview. We did a whole Frankie Goes to Hollywood segment. <laughs> 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 um, so growing up, or at least being a, a, a teenager um, in the 70s and on, on the dawning of disco, uh, how are you able to have uh, a high school existence? Uh, sort of like, you know, with band practice and that sort of thing with the accordion. Like, were you starting bands and those things? Are- I tried. Uh, and for some reason, none of my friends that had bands felt the need for an accordion player. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I just, I, I found out early on that if, if I really wanted to, to play the accordion, I could either, you know, play for bar mitzvahs and Italian weddings or, or I could go my own way. And, and I was always drawn toward the bizarre and, and comedy. And, and when I was exposed to Dr. Demento, that really kind of opened the door for me because I thought, oh, well, these are my people. I see. So uh, with, well, I want to know, like right before Dr. Demento, like, were you, could you play any other instrument or? Not, not really. I mean, you know, when, when you play the accordion, that means you can also play the piano, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, so, so technically I could, but my right hand is very used to keys and my left hand is not. So to this day, if I'm playing piano, I'm, you know, my left hand is just, uh, either I'm playing some very rudimentary lines or I'm waving to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird. Okay. So explain the, the, the Dr. Demento connection in 76 with you giving him, um, when I when I actually gave him a tape, he, uh, Dr. Romano uh, came to my high school oddly enough, mm-hmm. uh, and was doing a doing an assembly. He, he, sometimes he puts on a show where he he does you know does an educational assembly of of comedy and 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 demented music, and uh, he happened to be at Linwood High School. And I at the same time he was 
doing a contest called uh, some, some, a contest for the, for Pico and Sepulveda, which is his uh, theme song, and people were sending in their own versions of the Pico and Sepulveda, Pico and Sepulveda, Pico and Sepulveda, and uh, I did my own horrible version of it and gave him the cassette tape in person. And he, he, I think he promptly lost it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was terrible, and I never made it to air, but that was my first contact with him. And since then, I would send him stuff in the mail. And uh, eventually, it got good enough that uh, he started playing them on the radio. But when I first started, I was like 13 years old. They were, I mean, even the stuff he played was horrible, but before that, they were extra horrible. Were these originals, or did you even start the world of parody then, like, I, making uh, fun of Leo Sayer and Stevie Wonder <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, it was a little bit of both. I mean, Pico and Sepulveda would have been a cover, but yeah, the first songs I sent him, it was a combination of originals and uh, and uh, and parodies. But uh, none none of it had much of a rock feel to it because you know I, I was used to my, my my classical training on the accordion was was polkas and and some classical pieces. So I didn't I I really kind of got into playing rock on the accordion by just playing along with my Elton John records and things like that, just trying to figure out like rock chord structures. Okay. So the first time I've heard of you was, I think another one rides the bus and I think it was like 81, like someone. Wait, it was uh, the actual date that we did. That was September 14th, 1980. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, it was a live performance because we never re-recorded that. It, we, I just played it live on the Dr. Domeno show and he happened, oh, that was it. It was live on the show, and he just happened to turn the tape recorder on for for an air check, and that air check of that live recording that is the master tape to this day. <laughs> oh wow! wow. <laughs> you still have that tape? Uh, the original tape? I, I would assume Doctor Domeno has it, but I mean, it's, it sounds just like you know what's on the record. Oh, okay. Is he still Doctor Domeno? Still alive? He is. Yeah, he uh, he's not on terrestrial radio anymore, but he is still doing a weekly show uh, at drdomeno.com. So he's, he's still doing it. Same th- same same show. Wow. Okay, so your initial rhythm section kind of had this fart noisy thing <laughs> that I used to always be obsessed with. Yeah, like that start. You know, every kid has an obsession with farting. Uh huh. But it was when I heard another one rise the bus, then I started like, like trying to do fart. Right. First of all, who's making that noise, and then who's how do you that that is musical Mike Kiefer? Mike Kiefer uh, has been part of the Dr. Menno show for many years, and he is uh, the technical term is manualist, a person that makes those flatulent noises with his hands. <laughs> and uh, and, that, and I, I used him a lot. I used him a lot for the first few albums, not so much in later albums. But it was quite a process because he would have to make a. It was a whole process to record that in the studio. First, he'd have to wash his hands very thoroughly because they couldn't be at all greasy. They had to be super squeaky clean, dry. And then we used two micro phones because when he puts his hands together one noise would come out of the top of the hands and one noise would come out of the bottom of the hands so we get real actual stereo separation <laughs> on the, on you the guys are parts. real scientists wow. yeah. about this right. shit yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, no don't do this yeah. <laughs> how do you figure out you right have uh, so how did you well I know that uh, was my balloon on the B side I'm not certain but how did you how did you get to the next level from just like making this stuff for Dr. Demento and then like there's labels out there yeah. that want to... My Balloon was the year before. That was recorded literally in a bathroom. Uh, and oh, then, wow. And then Northern Rise of the Bus. And then, and that was still while I was in college. I was getting my degree in architecture at the time. 
Uh, what college? What school? Uh, the California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo. Ah, okay. And uh, so, and after I graduated, uh, basically, I, I knew that I didn't want to be an architect. Uh, I wasn't sure that I'd ever be able to make a career in the music industry because just because you hit, have a hit on the Dr. Mano show, that doesn't really mean anything in the real world. But I decided, well, you know, I'm young and uh, I've, I've got some time and uh, let me knock on a few doors. And uh, uh, luckily, within a couple of years, I was able to, to rent, land a record deal. So based on the, the early recordings and some new demos that I'd done, I did um, I Love Rocky Road for I Love Rock and Roll. And, <laughs> and, and based on that, we were able to land Rick Derringer as a producer and uh, a Scotty Brothers uh, as a record label. And uh, we did the first album. Um, did okay. It didn't uh, burn up the charts, but it did fine. It, was an, uh, it did well enough to merit me doing a second album. And the second album... Had, that's when had, everything that's when changed. Everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it happened with Eat It. Yeah, yeah but even, even then, what was the selling point that, you know, like, is this... Were you trying to say, look, as a comedian, were you ch- trying to be billed as a comedian or... You know, well, satirist or, or just I, you know, I I wasn't so much into labels, but uh, uh, you know, I I uh, I was going for grins. It, it was obviously a comedy act. Uh, it was meant to be meant to be novelty, and that that was a reason why it was hard for me to get signed to a record deal because we, you know, we you know we we approached basically every record store, in uh, uh, record company in town. And uh, record stores too, but a record company in town, and, and they all said, "Oh, this is really funny stuff. This is brilliant work. Yeah, we're not interested. This is novelty. You're going to be like, you know, if you're lucky, you'll be a footnote and you'll be gone in six months. So we want we want Man. artists who are going to have a Famous lasting last career. Words. Yeah. <laughs> so with in 3D, did you think like, okay, this is going to be my one and only album and. Well, I mean, it was sort of a you never you never know because when I was signed, it was I was signed to a ten album deal, and that mm. does that doesn't mean oh I'm going to do ten albums. That means on the extremely off chance that I'm successful enough to have ten albums, yeah. they'll be on they'll this label. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or so, they can drop you anytime. Right. So you, you never know. You never know. Um, and my first album, like I said, it did okay but not great. And and you know every album could have been my last. So you always have that in mind. Uh, but after Eat It came out. After N3D came out and, and it did so well, I, w- I was pretty sure there was going to be another album after that. Can you uh, explain to us just, uh, I guess, the legal way that you're able to do the parody? What's the line between parody and you know lawsuit. copyright infringement? Yeah, yeah. lawsuit. Like, how do you how do you navigate that? I always try to go a little above and beyond because, uh, uh, according to Supreme Court rulings, uh, fair use would imply that uh, I could get away with a lot more than I do. Uh, you know, in terms of parody and satire, I don't necessarily have to ask permission, but I always do because part of uh, my logic is that I want to have long-term relationships with all the artists that I'm parodying, and and I want, I really, honestly want them to feel like they're in on the joke. I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to be upset or offended that I'm doing a parody of one of their songs. It's all meant in good fun, and and I want them, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So then, with the parody works that you make, um, how is the publishing split between? Is it you or is it? It's, all the old it's, it's um I'll, I'll tell you it's it's literally a different case every time every okay. single one is negotiated uh i would say by and large the standard deal is the original artist keeps all the publishing yikes and well you and, get the writer well no, we split the writers split the writers okay yeah, gotcha. yeah i mean i'd love to get some of the publishing but people are very loath to uh, give that up gotcha well damn we already rushed to your no's versus your yeses, and I guess your most famous no was Prince. But yeah. <laughs> first of all, I want to know what song did you try yes. to parody of Prince? There were, and then what's the 
what's the asking process? Uh, well, uh, there are about a half a dozen songs that we, I approached Prince for. One of them was going to be in my movie UHF, uh, uh, like which was <laughs> let's let's go crazy, but with the lyrics of the Beverly Hillbillies theme song. The man named Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. family yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> Would have been fun. Uh, there, uh, 1999. I wanted to do that about like a Mr. Ron Popeil kind of like ad for like you can buy this for 1999. You know? <laughs> that would have been brilliant. <laughs> there were like a half a dozen like that that I wanted to try, but uh, you know you can now. Well, right? you said well, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, they welcome it now. No, no. The, he, Prince isn't going to change his mind now. That's the thing. You know, and I, 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 but, no, but you know, I respect the artist's wishes. You know, so like that, you're one of the people that like, even if his it doesn't matter what the state like, says. No, I mean, you know, you would know that he would reject. It's not you. their wishes. I, I'm concerned about his prince's wishes, and you know, that's awful. That's nice. good, man. Man. good man, good man. But dog, yeah. all right, did you at least, did you at least demo it? <laughs> Yes, you demoed it. Do you um, have no, the demo? No, there's, there's no need to do a demo for parody because you know how it goes. Right. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> you didn't do a full scale 1999. I did demo. not. You know, I, for a lot of songs, I don't even write any lyrics until I get permission because it's really a bummer to like, go of, through. Yeah, because yeah, I spend sometimes like weeks on a single song and to go through all that effort and then to go, yeah, I don't really like parodies. You know, that's a heartbreak. So how far did you get to the point of asking, can I do a parody or asking, can I do a parody of and this is what? No, I'm we, we always we always pitch a specific idea. So we always say we want to do parody of this song. And here's the general idea. I, I don't know where I heard from. I think someone had asked him a question about it and he. He said something like, "Actually, I I like him or whatever," but it wasn't, it wasn't an eye roll or like a no. My songs can never. But the the only thing I've 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 heard I've, I've heard audio of of him talking about my fat video. Yeah, I, I was going to ask. So that maybe he said something else. But that's the thing I've heard. And he, he liked that at the time. So yeah. that's nice. oh, what did he say? He it was it's a rehearsal tape, and um, he's basically asking the band if they saw the video for fat, and he's like talking about him in the fat suit, and he's just like cracking up the entire time he's telling the story. <laughs> it's pretty great. That would have been encouraging. Yeah, that would have been. Damn man, now you would have killed nineteen ninety nine. Can you think of the other Prince songs that you oh, tried? What else? To- um, oh, those were my favorites. I think. I think some, there was something with when, when doves cry. Like I think of like, like a fast fruit, a fast food guy, one spuds fry or something like that. Another, <laughs> another food song. Another food song. How do, how do how do ideas come to you? Like, do you have these dictaphones on standby, <laughs> or you know, like just when moments like. Well, in, in, the, in the very beginning, it was just like whatever stupid idea came to my head. I go, oh, I'll go with that. Uh, but after I started getting some success and realizing people actually you know, care about what I do and a lot of people will obsess over it, I think, well, I should put some more effort into this. <laughs> so, so now whenever I, I find a song that I think has uh, potential for parody, um, I'll think of like a hundred ideas for it. I'll think of like, every variation on the theme I possibly can. I'm very analytical about it. I'll go down a list and, and try to see which of those ideas uh, have any comedic potential and ha- would be able to sustain comedy for th- for three or three and a half minutes. Uh, and sometimes none of them do. I mean, sometimes they're all bad ideas, but if I'm lucky, one will, will stand out. So are you obsessively reading Billboard and uh, listening to, to music and... and- I, I certainly used to. I, I haven't been that obsessive in the last couple of years. I'm kind of kind of slowing down a little bit. I'm I'm looking at at, at other projects, but but in the in the thick of it, when I'm actively trying to uh, figure out what are the parodies, yeah, I'm listening to a uh, top forty radio and 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 definitely studying Billboard. Well, I was going to say like, you know, there's there's always 
as a musician and as a music fan, um, there's a point in your life where you're actually engaged in contemporary music culture. And then there's a point where you're like, you feel like, uh, I hate music now. Well, not I hate music, yeah. but it's... Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I, I like Top 40 music. I like that, but, uh, you know, it's not my first choice. I mean, I, if, if I could listen to any radio station, I wouldn't automatically listen to the Top 20 hits, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, so whenever I was... It wasn't that I was not enjoying it, but I kind of felt like I was on the clock. You know, I was working. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, does it make it harder for you now? Like, if you hear something as insanely popular as Bad and Bougie yeah. or Bodak Yellow, uh-huh. and you're like, okay, I know this is this can be an instant viral moment for me, but am I really emotionally invested to... <laughs> that to, would be uh, interesting, though, Bodak. That would be an interesting Weird Al parody. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll consider would. all that. They both would. Wait, what'd you say? I said they both would be. Oh, oh I thought you said they both are parodies. Oh, well, well, I mean, that's that too. <laughs> what's, what's your actual favorite type of music Like when you're just at home? Mostly like Viking songs and whaling music. <laughs> Great. You know? Thank you. Like 13th century stuff. <laughs> wow. So like Game of Thrones? So, <laughs> no. Oh, no, that's, that's too well, contemporary. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that stuff's still better than pop music today. Mm. So. That's when music was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I, I don't particularly engage in the music that I make a living in, but you know, I mean, if I'm driving in a car, I'd rather listen to jazz and something completely yeah. opposite, or at least to get inspired. So I, I find I listen a lot to to the music that I was listening to in, in high school and college. That's sort of like my comfort food of music. It's sort of like oh. Well, that's, that's what I'm asking yeah. you. What what kind of stuff is oh, that? You know, it's um a lot of British invasion stuff, a lot of singer songwriter stuff from the '70s, uh, like a lot of uh, you know the kind of the garage bands from the '90s kind of thing, the um, the grunge movement. Uh, a lot of artists that are not necessarily comedy or novelty, but have a sense of humor and you know alternative stuff. And well, what what about your record collection? You still have your record collection from. Uh when you were a teenager you know, and all that? Uh, you know, I, I should have held on to all my vinyls. My, my wife talked me into a... Oh, <laughs> damn! Getting rid of damn. those. Yeah, we got the CD. Like, yeah, but it's... <laughs> but I... But I... But I want to stay married, so... <laughs> <laughs> damn! Yeah, they take up space. No. Yeah, they do. I know, the, I know. The I know. the wife. The, the ah! <laughs> I knew that was coming. Sorry. <laughs> um... So on the, I guess the opposite side of the fence. Oh wait, before I get to even get to Michael Jackson, um, how important is it to you to sort of nurture relationships? Because I find that oftentimes, uh, if you go the traditional business route, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna parody. I'm I'm gonna do something on Rod Stewart. Yeah. And then your manager calls their manager. The label calls it the label. Then usually it's like some red tape shit and it never happens. But, you know, if you happen to be friends with Rod Stewart and you're like, look, I have a really cool idea. Oh, yeah, I'll be honored for you to, you know, that, that sort of thing. That happens a lot, you know, because sometimes it's just hard to get through to another artist. Uh, so if I ever have a direct connection, and I've used that several times. I mean, that was I did that with Kurt Cobain. Like, you know, um, you know, he, my manager couldn't get through to his, uh, you know, their manager. And finally, you know, I, I knew somebody at Saturday Night Live and they were performing that day. And I said, could you please get Kurt on the phone? And I got to talk to him directly. Uh, Wait, on, that easy? Well, basically, and then I told my manager, and I said, Kurt's fine with it. And then his manager could call back their manager and say, um, Kurt's Wait, fine how, with it. How did you pitch Kurt Cobain? Yeah. Uh, well, this is a famous story. I, I talked to him on the phone, and um, 
this is their first time on Saturday Night Live. I'm not sure if he was in his right mind, but right. <laughs> I was talking about the phone. And I said, hey, Curtis, so we're at Al Yankovic, and I, 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 wanted to do a, I wanted to do a parody of your song, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And then there's a kind of a pause, and he goes, is it going to be about food? <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, no, that's it, actually about how nobody can understand your lyrics. And he goes, oh, hey, sure, that's funny. <laughs> that was wow. it. That was it. Wow. He was a very cool guy. He actually wrote some very nice things about me in his journals. Remember when they published the mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain yeah. journals? Yeah. He, he wrote a, a, well, humble brag here, but he wrote a, Weird Al Yankovic is a modern rock genius in his journal. <laughs> you are. I mean, <laughs> no, dog, you, you are. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So you doing Eat It in, in the, at the height of Michael Mania, I would think that it was actually easier to uh, get permission from Prince at that time <laughs> than Michael Jackson. That was but then sh- Michael's like one of your most accommodating 
that was a real shot in the dark because you know at the at that time I certainly wasn't any you know kind of household name. I was just this weird kid from LA that was making these stupid records, and we thought, oh, maybe Michael Jackson will sign off on this, like ha ha ha. <laughs> but we, we our mantra was, you know, it never hurts to ask. You know, what's yeah. going to do? Say no. Uh, so we put it out there, and uh, I forgot, forget how long it took. But was it a face to face thing? Or no, just... no, no. I, I got to meet Michael after the fact a couple of times, but at the time it was sort, it was just sort of like, uh, okay, Michael signed off on it, and there is a contract. I've, I've got a copy of it with my signature next to Michael Jackson's signature, saying that we are the co-writers of Eat It. Wow, <laughs> wow. that is cool. Yeah, um, which by the way was one of the first records I ever owned. Oh, Eat cool! It. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah so. Uh, Scotty Brothers, were they seeing dollar signs as in, like, let's do the video full scale or, you know, how did you convince them to? Well, they had Eye of the Tiger money by this yeah. point, did they not? Survivor, yeah. So they had that. Wait, didn't you do, I think you did uh, Rye the Kaiser. I, yeah, very, yeah. I did that in the second <laughs> well, album as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're happy okay. about that. Yeah, I think that was probably the same studio the originals recorded in, so that was nice. Um, <laughs> oh, Wow. Yeah, and they also had uh, James Brown. Yeah, they had uh, the... It was the Unreal album. Wasn't that on Scott? Well, they had uh, Gravity. Gravity. Gravity, yeah. Yeah, 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 Living with a Hernia. Yeah. Yeah. Living with a Hernia. Yeah. (laughs) Got to support those Scotty Brothers artists, you know. (laughs) Well, Dan Hartman was happy. I know that much. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, who's... What was the brainchild uh, kind of genesis of the Eat It video to go full scale on it? Well, that was, you know, that was that was in the days when people were obsessed with MTV where, you know, if, if a video was in heavy rotation, like Michael Jackson obviously was, you knew every minute detail of the video. And uh, it was very easy to parody because all you had to do was recreate it and just tweak things just a little bit and it would be funny. And at the time, it was my most, uh, you know, expensive video because my first video cost like $3,000. My, my record label was like, oh, great, we'll do all your videos for $3,000. Like, no, 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 hold on. Um, I think Eat It at the time, my manager hates when I talk money, but it, I'll tell you, it, it cost uh, $40,000. Ooh, and it that was, was real video money. That was, at the time, that was, yeah, but I mean, that was the best $40,000 I ever spent in my life. But how did you find the jacket, and how'd you get Cheryl the Song shirt. to be in the video? You could buy and... the jacket in any store at the time. It was 1984, man. It was like the, the, the Michael Jackson Even Eat the piano tee you had on and all that, that was, yeah. The piano tee we had to have a, a art director okay. cook up for us. Uh, <laughs> but the, yeah, the jacket was just off the rack. Like, if you want to, you know, pay whatever it was, $600, to get a leather Michael Jackson jacket that could be had who directed the who do you know who directed the video I do that was my manager Jay Levy Jay is everywhere yeah he was making a directorial debut I mean I storyboarded it out and and figured out the shots and then I said here Jay you (laughs) deal with this I was impressed that you had Cheryl Song in the video the the long-haired Asian woman from Soul Train oh yeah who (laughs) my idol her hair head comes off or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that wasn't uh was Michael? That Peterson wasn't her actual head, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was trying to figure if you got Michael Peters we or did, yeah. Was, is that his name? Or, no, no Michael Peters, Peters was the, uh, the choreographer. No, no. Well, the original one of the choreographers was, and what's gosh, I'm going to blank on his name. It, was, it sounds like Peterson. Well, it must. He was the original white jacket. The, yeah, he was yeah. the original guy. Yeah, was that Michael? That Michael was, Peters. Michael Peters was, was the white jacket. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's him. That was him. How? We asked him. He said, okay. Damn, so how, <laughs> how much does the original Beat It video cost, y'all think? Um, I got- think, well, I know Billie Jean was 65. 
It, it was still under 100,000. Okay. Was it really? Wow. Yeah, it was under, yeah. I mean, Thriller was a million, but I know B- Billie Jean was 65 and, and Beat It was like 85. Wow. So you like, did about wow. half the price. Under, yeah, like slightly under 100. Yeah, we, we had to recreate uh, the, the barroom scene and a few other things. We looked for the original locations, but it was all, uh, th- they all had Was been that the pool hall? Down. The pool hall, yeah. That was just a, a set on stage. Oh, wow. Man, great. Congrats on the details, man. Oh, thanks. Um, actually, my favorite um, thing about your repertoire is your polka medleys. <laughs> and I'll say that the first time that I saw you not on Solid Gold or um, uh, or MTV, uh, The Tonight Show. I don't know if you, you did. You, you did hook up on polka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in 85. Dog, that was the most jaw dropping. <laughs> That's when I started buying your albums. Like back then, oh, no you were kidding. just you were just a weird out guy, and like oh, the Edie guy, whatever, you know. Um, but when I saw that, it that was fun. I, could, I, I I remember that we had to have the actual Tonight Show band playing the horn section behind us. They had to learn all the charts. Yeah, so th- that's the thing. Like you're not just the parody guy. Like you're these arrangements and and the, just the clever nuances of like the, how you do Owner of a Lonely Heart with the the, the clarinet arrangements right. <laughs> and stuff. Are you notating this stuff on on scoring it? Or oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, now I use uh, notation software, but at the back back then in the day, I just like, would print out. Uh, you know, or I wouldn't even print out. I'd use the uh, you know the the the, the 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 staffs and just write it with uh, with pencil right on there. Okay, you can help me and Steve out on this because I'm so okay. Uh, when you do uh, the the bang your head, bang your head, yeah. ding, ding, ding. right? Okay, the what is the the horn honk? That's what is that called? We we were looking for it for at least a half hour. It's a. That's called a bulb horn. <laughs> so it has a rubber, the rubber. Yeah, that's thing, what, yeah. The, the rubber thing you squeeze. It. I was going through every, like every <laughs> that's type a bicycle of horn. horn. Come right. on, man! <laughs> I couldn't Google like I was, I was. Oh God! <laughs> I was looking for her right for yeah. the longest. And but that I, sounds pretty good. I mean, you just, yeah, that was really <laughs> sounds like a bulb horn. No, <laughs> <laughs> it really did. That. that actually sounded, and, and there's small, there's different size ones too. Yeah, obviously you want the big one too. though. Really, yeah, the big ones, the funniest one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because I was going to go full scale with the the theme and do the, the, oh. the oh yeah sound effects, but. I wasted yeah. almost a half hour. <laughs> it was four in the morning. Yeah. I was like going through every horn. You could have called me, man. I yeah. <laughs> Hindsight, you know. <sighs> I, I have a question yeah. um, before you move on. You're moving on from Eat It. No, or, go ahead. Um, so on Eat It, even though it was a parody song, it seemed like you were taking the the acting, the choreography, and everything real seriously. And I was wondering, I was wondering how long it took you to uh, to um, you know. Um, Put on all that weight oh, to, do, the, to do that to, to do the part. You think the fat, fat now? That was a different fat. video. Yeah. Oh shit! Fat That was a fat suit. I'll get yeah. back to you when we're talking about fat. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's go to Derby. I was trying was to make Derby? a joke that you actually gained the weight, but um, shit. I had a few salads, and I, you know, hit the bullhorn. No, I'm not hitting the bullhorn, but I am hitting. Sugar steam. 
No, that's supposed to be when I say something actually. No, that's when you say anything. <laughs> okay. Was was Dare to Be Stupid your first national tour? Mm, I think I think that there we did a, a national tour in '84, which is kind of funny because our my first tour was '83. It was a very small tour, and I think in '84 I went out with Doctor Demento as his opening act. Oh wow! Um, and it, it started with like Doctor Demento featuring Weird Al Yankovic, and the the tour started before Eat It came out. And we're on the road, and Edith comes out, and it zooms in the top twenty. And in the middle of the tour, it became the tour became Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> with Doctor Demento. <laughs> Wait, was this show uh, syndicated? It was, uh, yeah, it was the... nationally syndicated. Yeah, really. He did a live show uh, at KMT in Los Angeles, and then he did a separate show uh, syndicated out of Westwood One, which went to I forget how many markets, but but all over the country. Okay, so was there? I mean, after just talk about the pressure. Of life after Eat It, where you became known as the Eat It guy. Right. Um, how did one, how did life change? I, I think I saw a raw footage of you even at the Purple Rain premiere. Right. Like, was that, <laughs> oh, wow. was that a, a, a star moment for you? It's like Eddie Murphy came in, then Morris Day. Then Weird Al Yankovic, and you have this whole like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Like, type of thing. yeah, I think it said, yeah, everybody knew Prince could act, but who knew he could sing? <laughs> <laughs> so how 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 different was life after? Because you you captured lightning in a bottle, like even you know your video made Soul Train. Oh yeah, that was my favorite yeah. introduction. <laughs> Don Cornelius is like, and now. This is the closest that we will ever get to Michael Jackson. <laughs> this is Weird Al Yankovic and Eat It. Oh, man. I was like, wow, Weird Al is on Soul Train. That's yeah. amazing. Well, I mean, the, the biggest change was that uh, it was really, in the truest sense of the word, overnight fame. I mean, you hear about overnight things like that, and uh, it really was overnight. I mean, the, the day that uh, Eat It went into heavy rotation on MTV, which is several times a day, you know, people were recognizing me on the streets. I'd be in line at a fast food restaurant, and people would be staring at me. And like, this is odd. This has not happened before. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, all of a sudden, I was the eat it guy, and that it, it it just changed in an instant. Would you look like Weird Al Yankovic even off duty? Like, were you always in Hawaiian shirts? And <laughs> yeah, I've always liked Hawaiian shirts, but it, certainly, certainly uh, after I gained some notoriety, I, I kind of dressed down a bit more in public. I, I try not to be too loud or garish. Started wearing hats and sunglasses. Well, I, I, never, I never, you know, went into the big disguises because then people are like, oh, what's weird? I'll do one wearing like a, dark, a hat and dark glasses. <laughs> wow. Uh, so how, how hard was it adjusting to uh, a follow-up record? Like, was it, is there such a thing as uh, writer's block for, you know for doing parody records or oh yeah i mean you know, every every album i start out with writer's block because like oh what am i gonna do now like because like you know you don't want to keep repeating yourself and yeah. uh you know you want to still be funny and but you don't want to like kind of rely on the same tropes and memes and and devices that you use before you want to try to find different ways to be funny and but how is it that you don't want to be pigeonholed as the the comedian parody guy when you're the comedian parody guy well no, I, i'm not saying i didn't want to be the comedian parody guy i mean i knew that parodies were my bread and butter and i enjoyed doing them and, and wasn't i was try wasn't trying to get away from that i just didn't want to like you know uh, it, it kind of horrified me when my record label put out a compilation called The Food Album. Here's all Al songs about food. Like, maybe I shouldn't write so many songs about food. You know? Well, I was going to say, were they coming to you like, okay, like, you know, 
do more, you know, food songs. Well, and- no, they were, they were basically, you know, uh, the, the, the thing about Scotty Brothers, they were wonderful to me, but uh, every fourth quarter they'd go, you know, we could really use some money for our bottom line. We're going to put out a compilation album. Like, really? Another one? <laughs> you know, like, here's all of Al's songs that begin with the letter R. You're like, no, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Already so soon? It was like two records in. You already well, have greatest hits. But I'll, I'll tell you, after, like after two records, speed. I don't think they, they weren't talking about a greatest hits after two records, but they were saying like, how about a Christmas album? Like, really? I don't think so. No. You know, they're looking for any way to quickly cash in because they didn't know that you know, I'd still be around, you know, you know, 30 years later, they were thinking like, okay, you know, here's our cash cow. Let's milk it. Right. So on the opposite side of the uh, fence, uh, were there artists now giving you elevator pitches on <laughs> how to turn their songs into Weird Al songs by this point? And- I, I I won't mention any names. It hasn't oh, happened. Please. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 I don't mean salacious, <laughs> but... Well, I, I've had people more, more often, more than giving me pitch, they would say, well, like, when are you going to get around to doing one of, one of my songs? Wow. And this is almost like a sign like you made it when nah, yeah, it's Weird a, Al. Yeah, if he covers your stuff, like, yeah, you've officially arrived. Yeah. I, I think when I met Paul McCartney for the first time, he, he offhandedly said that. I think he was kind of joking, but still, it, you know, it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Did he tell you the Scramble League story? No, but I didn't know that one. Oh, okay. I was, going, he's like, I was the first original... Weird Al. For, for yesterday, yeah, that was his original lyrics, right? Yeah, scrambled eggs. Um, oh, my baby, how I love your legs, or whatever it yeah. was. So I know that the Dare to be Stupid tour, for anyone that I know that's into you, that was, I really, truly wish I'd seen this tour. Uh, that's because, the one well, Jimmy that, Fallon's yeah, that, always talking about, right? That was Jimmy's first yeah. concert, yeah. Yeah, but no, I know like 10 other people that are like, Yo, the Dare to Be Stupid tour. Like, what exactly happened during this tour that just changed these people's lives? I'm not sure. I mean, every every tour got bigger and better. I, I, up until then, I, I kind of felt kind of green, and I think it kind of all clicked into place on Dare to Be Stupid because I've seen some uh, YouTube videos of me in concert in 1984 versus 1985, and there's definitely something that happened to my, happened to my confidence between those two years because 84, I just seemed a little manic and desperate, and in 85, I kind of you know feel like, Okay, I know what I'm doing. Here I go. Uh, so uh, there's probably something t- to that. The the, per- the, uh, 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 the performances just felt a little bit more, you know, on point. Um, okay, I want to go to Polka Party and break down your your harmony game oh. on Here's Johnny. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. no, it's 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 some serious shit. Like you. I know you think that like oh these small minuscule things are like over people's heads or whatever. <laughs> no, but it's it's really art to it. Like I'm all about the minuscule things. How? But you're you're self produced, correct? Uh, yeah, I am now. With the first six albums were Rick Derringer, so he was officially producing at that time. Okay. Do you? I mean, what was the the give and go relationship on that? Was he just like, I do what you do, Al, and I'll just... Well, he wasn't that lazy. Am I the guy in the studio that's like pointing <laughs> you in the movies, like you know, <laughs> that sort of thing? Yeah, or... I mean, I mean, he was uh, in in charge of the sound. I, w- I was walking in with with the, all the arrangements and things like that, and you know, Rick wasn't saying we should have clarinets here. It was sort of like you know, that was that was my gig, and he would just make sure that that he he was sort of like the director. He made sure that everything that I did sounded as good as possible in the studio. And matching, like, for matching uh, uh, the, the the patches and stuff, like, is that you? Are you... Same synthesizers and all that. Yeah. Are you actively going after these, like, 
same keyboards and the same drums and those sort of things. And Within reason, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, oftentimes if we have access to the original band uh, or the original band members, we'll contact them and say, well, yeah, what were the pickups on that guitar? What did you, you know, use for this particular thing? Uh, sometimes, especially if it's a... Uh, an odd sample we'll try to figure out where that came from and see if we can license license that as well so um that's not all the time sometimes we just wing it but whenever we can we like to be as uh you know as official as possible have you have you ever not blacked out but had a, a great idea that you just couldn't make funny either you know like you had a great title for lionel richie's all night long but you couldn't I, I'm a pretty good judge of uh, knowing if an idea has potential. So if it might be some some ideas might be funny for like a throwaway gag, but they won't be you know funny for three minutes. A full song. Yeah. So that and and, so, and sometimes in concert I would do a, a medley of those kind of songs where like there's basically just one gag to it. Like, oh, here she comes. She's a spam eater. Thank you. Good night. You know, <laughs> and, and and that's sort of like there's really not a whole lot more to say after that. So. Um, all the ones that I wind up making the parodies, I, I think, okay, well, I can I can build on this. I can put layers to this, and there's there's a direction to go. It's not just like a one joke thing. How many uh, were these? The Grammys that you won were they for comedy recordings or for polka or? They were comedy. Um, they were different ones though. The fir- the first one was for comedy recording, and that was an odd category because it was singles competing against albums, which it seems like apple and oranges to me. But that's how they did it back then. Wait, how? Really? Yeah, because the Eat It won. The Eat It single and it won against like Rodney Dangerfield's album and Eddie oh, Murphy's wow. album. Like, well, how do how do you really jet, you beat you know? Eddie Murphy? I think I might have. Shame. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, no, it depends. Was it how could it be? <laughs> how, the, could it be? <laughs> no, no. how could it be the singing album? Yeah, yeah. I gave it to Al. That, that was a comedy record, yeah. wasn't it? Then, then, uh, <laughs> uh, then eighty. The, the next one was eighty eight, and that was for best concept music video, which was a category that I think only lasted a few years. Uh, but but I won that for fat for, fat. for, for okay. best concept music video, which I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what that means. But I got to win the Grammy. Uh, then I won for best comedy album uh, for Poodle Hat in two thousand and three, and for Mandatory Fun uh, okay. a couple years ago. Um, what year did UHF come out? Eighty nine. Okay, so that's after even worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was about to say, by this point, were other avenues calling you to do certain things as far as like television? Or- well, well, since you brought that up, um, you know, I had to make a, a very uh, hard call talking about uh, a UHF. Uh, the, sum- the summer of 1988 is when we were scheduled to shoot my movie UHF. And that was also uh, when Michael Jackson wanted me to open for him on his European tour. Wait, what? <laughs> Wow. What? Yeah, we got. The, I got so the. So he was really a fan of yours. Yeah, yeah, he liked it. He, he liked the whole thing. I mean, uh, past like I'm really flattered about my music. I mean, like, did he buy no, your records and did he laugh well, at? Like, he he um he he tells me he used to show UHF at the Neverland Ranch uh, to his guests. What? He, he told me um, well, well when we did the fat video that was actually Michael Jackson's set. He actually let us use his set to shoot that video. Arthur, you went to Horton Skimmerhorn in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's because it was great because uh, that that set was built in Culver City and it was for the kids. Remember, he did like the baby bad when he did the Moonwalker right, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the set was like at nine tenths scale to make the kids look a little bigger. But it also was great for the fat video because it made the fat make people you even, look, yeah, <laughs> even bigger. So both of y'all shared that set. Yep. Yep. Wait a minute. Because uh, we knew, we knew the set was still there and they're about to tear it down. And we're like, no, 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 no
don't tear it down. We want to use it. And they're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Wait, Fonte. Um, old boy from House Party. Make me some Dick Gregory. Ludy Washington. Ludy Washington. How yeah. do you Ludy. know that? Yeah, yeah. Ludy I did Washington. that too. Yeah. Ding dong, man. Ding dong. Yeah. Ding dong. Uh, yeah, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Ludy was great. He was also in the in UHF in the movie. He played the cameraman of that. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Ludy Washington? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't remember him from like the Robert Townsend special? Well, he used to be in a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. You guys, you two are the, okay. we read credits and. <laughs> we read the liner notes. That sort of thing. Um, were you hesitant to revisit Michael Jackson a second time around or well, was it just too irresistible? A little bit. I mean, it, it was sort of low hanging fruit, but at the same time, it's sort of like Michael Jackson was so, you know. I'm the president in the 80s. It was sort of like, you know, how could you not do Michael? If I didn't do, you know, a parody on bad, people were like, how come we're not doing a parody on bad? Yeah. It's sort of like, and, and that was one of those cases where, uh, you know, like I said, usually I think of like a hundred different variations on a theme and I, I like uh, analyze it to death. But I remember the first time I saw the, the, the bad video, saw the world premiere, uh, and before the video was even over, I'm, I said, "I'm doing fat. It's got to be fat." <laughs> gonna have these, like, huge Were you people. already writing? Yeah, the, I, was like, the, the, I was like, "We're gonna have these huge people trying to get through a turnstile, and they can't quite get through. It's gonna be great." <laughs> you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. You must have been you watching. Ain't fat. You, ain't <laughs> you must have been watching world premiere videos back then. Oh yeah, Just, absolutely. Like, drooling, like uh, you had to stay on top of the zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as turnarounds concerned. Like, it's a shame that the internet wasn't around back in the 80s Yeah, for you to turn things over in record time. So for you, was there uh, sort of an expiration date on ideas? Like, I have to have this out within the next four months or... Yeah, I mean, I mean, because it's like a, a two-month turnaround between, like, having... Uh the, the master done and having a record in stores. And they, they, sometimes they can, if they really want to, they can bump it a couple of weeks, but it's still like certainly more than a month. Uh, and that's if you have an album done. Like if I have a, if I want to do a parody and the album's like not even close to being finished, it's like, well, this isn't going to come out for several months, which is why I generally, you know, the way I usually do it is I, I record an entire album except for one track and I wait for what I for perceive to be yeah. like, yeah, the big one. Like, here's the big single, here's the big video, but and the rest of the album is just sort of like in the can, waiting to go. Oh, so all the other non-parody ideas get right, right, uh, and and hopefully those those are all songs that uh you know uh people will still remember and they'll still be funny, but but. Back then, the things have changed nowadays, but back then it really was all about here's a single driving the album because, you know, uh, regardless of whether radio got behind it, MTV would, would play it. And, you know, if, if you had a big hit on MTV, you had a big hit album. What, in your concert, what is your unlikely, uh, how can I say this? Your, your free bird. Like, <laughs> what's the, what's the, the non single? There was one song that we actually did on the show that I was shocked that Jimmy, because I wanted to do uh, Hooked on Polka. Uh-huh. Um, but then, thankfully, I realized that song was way too complex for us <laughs> to even, to even uh, conquer it. But uh, I forgot the... It's a slow song that's on... Uh, either Someone Drowns... Now i got to look it up. But... Um, it's a ballad? Yeah, it's a ballad. Is it uh You Don't Love Me Anymore? No. No. Was it, is it, it uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, clue. Weird Al Trivia. It's 
Hang on. It's definitely on Dare to be Stupid. Okay. Um, um, Slow song. But it has a sort of twisted, not. Is it a parody? Uh, no, 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 no. It isn't. It, it's. Oh, God. I hate this moment. I'm mean, <laughs> having a brain for it because we rehearsed it in the. We did it as an internet extra song. Uh, oh, you mean uh, Good Old Days? Yes. Oh, that was off of Even Worse. Okay. Yeah, Good Old like what is what is your your free bird when people are yelling like what's a fan favorite um yeah, there's not just like one song i mean there's not like one song everybody's into there's like a half a dozen parodies that that are sort of like the big hits that that people basically come to expect uh in terms of original songs um i think probably the biggest fan favorite is dare to be stupid and that's maybe partly because it was used in the original transformers movie and people have affection yeah, for memories, that yeah yeah that'd be stupid yeah I remember. <laughs> um so for you uh i guess as a well i want to get to the coolio's scenario i was going to say besides coolio was there anyone that had indifference to the to a cover that they previously approved but then they didn't like or not really. I mean, I've never after somebody who's approved uh, the parody, I've never heard back afterwards that they were disappointed. I, th I think. Uh, well, it, I, I heard on behind the music. I think Flea was like not that thrilled with the Red Hot Chili Peppers parody. I was like, yeah, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Wait, which song? Yeah. They gave it away, away. Yeah. and it was about the Flintstones. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. He did, he didn't dislike it. He was just, it was sort of like a meh. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I mean, once you're covered, then you're, you know, you're immortalized. So. You're super immortalized. <laughs> um, so for you, what is, what's the 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 daily preparation of your band and your tour and that sort of thing, like? Gosh, well, there's no like you know typical day. You know, my my life at home and my life on the road are completely different realities, and. Uh, uh, when, when I'm on tour, uh, I, I basically try not to use my voice if I can help it because I, I, I've gotten laryngitis and totally lost my voice on tour before. And that's not pleasant because if you lose your voice, I mean, the, really the only cure is not talking for a week. Yeah. And you can't do that if you have to do a you know, two-hour show every night. Um, so I, I, I'm very careful, uh, you know, stay out of air conditioning, stay out of smoky rooms. I just try to use my voice as infrequently as possible. So basically after the show... Uh, go back to the bus, uh, you know, probably surf the internet for a few hours. And then when I wake up, we're already traveling to the next city. And I just, uh, you know, try not to talk until the sound check. So do you turn off the air conditioning on, on stage? Um, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's some Aretha Franklin. Some people do. Well, that's... I, no, I don't want to make the whole world uncomfortable. I just, you know, <laughs> just the back of the bus. Oh, okay. I see. Um, it's, as far as your... Uh, uh, the ritual of um shit, i'm having a brain fart moment right now um can you make that fart sound with your <laughs> 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 no the uh uh damn the as far as your 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 sets are concerned and cuz i know now it's you do these elaborate changes and and all those things like how full scale is are your concert performances? 
Well, they, they have been very full scale. I mean, I'd love to get you out to a show sometime, but it was, uh, you know, it, it becomes sort of like almost like a like a Broadway show in that there's costumes and props and uh, everything is timed out to the second. Like, you know, I do a, a big song with full costumes and then we, we play a, a video on a big screen on stage, which is just long enough for us to run backstage and do a costume change and come back out for the next song. Um, so it's, it's as much spectacle and theater as we could put into a live show. Uh, having said that, the next tour, which is starting in end of uh, February, we're not doing any of that for the first time in you know ever. We're, we're going going out and just uh, just playing songs, no costumes, no props, and we're playing the deep cuts. We're playing not playing the hits. We're playing like, say what? Yeah, totally. It's called the ridiculously. <laughs> I'm going to mess it up. Uh, the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour, <laughs> <laughs> and and we're, yeah, we're 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 not playing the hits. We're playing all the obscure, you know, deep cuts and and B sides and and stuff that you'd never expect us to play live. So and we're, and we're doing a different show every single night, which is fun for us because when we do the the normal show, it has to, by definition it has to be the same exact show because it's all calculated. But the the, the next tour is going to be wildly different from night to night. So when you're saying no hits, so you won't be doing. Teen Spirit or Eat It or... Do you still do Eat It in concert? Yeah. Yeah, not the whole song, but part of a medley, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just strictly the non-parody things or... Yeah, we might throw in a couple surprises, but you, sh- you should definitely not come to the tour expecting to hear the hits because it's really all about <laughs> the stuff that nobody wants to hear. I want to do an audience displeasing show. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, well, I'm not saying Costello did that, but he did the... The, you ever see his, the wheel? The wheel yeah. tour. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, my friend um, just told me to do a cover of a uh, of Radio Radio. You know, we do that uh, whenever something screws up, uh, which we, didn't happen hardly at all in the last tour. But there were some tours where um, we were having problems with a computer server, and the computer server, you know, does the video and it does whatever click tracks we're using, and it's an integral part of the show. Mm. And if there's a hiccup or it, if something goes wrong, you know, it's a train wreck. And sometimes when that happens, instead of just you know standing on stage stupidly, we go into radio, radio. Like, ladies and gentlemen, there, there's no reason to play oh, this song. Radio, radio. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. That's an you don't change the words to nope, computer, nope. computer, no, just something. a straight version. Okay. <laughs> uh, how extensive will the tour be? Uh, we're, we're doing like 75, 76 dates. Uh, the show Emo Phillips is opening for us, which will be oh, no! wow. wow. I love wow. Emo. Really? Um, so he's doing half an hour. Uh, my band is doing like ninety minutes, and uh, um, it's going to be. A lot. I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I'll get to. It'll, we want a really intimate vibe. It's going to be. I want it to be kind of like a hanging out in your living room vibe. You know, like like everybody in the in the audience just sort of in your living room, and we're just kind of being very you know casual and uh, you know spontaneous because because my shows are not normally spontaneous. I don't normally like chat with the audience and so i don't just want this one to i'm, I'm a little outside of my comfort zone because i, I like and knowing in, in advance what i'm going to say but i'm trying to break out of that and just you know just trying to try to hang you're trying to challenge yourself a little bit huh, it's admirable um your tours is it just na- uh, national for the united states or it's a world tour playing canada too <laughs> have, you, have you ever done other like how do you fare in other countries um, Canada very well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Saskatchewan. Yeah, you, you yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Australia is a good market for us. We played there three or four times, uh, and and pockets of Europe. We we did a couple small European tours, and and I definitely have some fans over there. But but North America is really uh, the, the main market. 
when was the moment that you knew since you you dive into so many genres like at this point you're a treasure to all kinds of communities all kinds of music was there a moment when you knew it and you felt it like oh I'm not like the other kids I can do this I can do that I can go here it, like before my career, like did, no, during, during your career, career. yeah, because you, I mean, from hip hop to country to polka to pop to rock to grunge, yeah, and nobody says no, you don't belong here. Everybody is like, he's ours. It, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I first kind of felt the fame during the you know the N3D and Eat It days, but I don't think I really kind of felt like the mass acceptance un, until about ten years ago, uh, because people kept waiting for me to go away. Like, oh, Weird Al's still hanging around. What's he doing here? Like, you know, because <laughs> Everybody thought, you know, that I was just some kind of phase that, you know, people were going to get tired of. And and some people did. But I mean, in, in general, I was able to maintain some semblance of a career uh, since the early 80s. And and uh, it wasn't until about 10 years ago, people were like, oh, I grew up with Weird Al. Like, really? OK. <laughs> nah, seriously. No, yeah. Nah, this is like a direct. You're a direct link to my childhood, like mm -hmm. straight up, like well, just you, everything. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Um, when you did the Amish Paradise, first off, where did that idea come from? <laughs> to well, uh, it's funny. I was I was trying to think of an idea for for, for Gangsta's Paradise, and uh, and uh, when I as soon as the thought Amish Paradise came into my mind, I thought 
It, the idea was so good it made me depressed. <laughs> because, because I, I thought, it was, thought it was perfect because like the Amish lifestyle is the is diametrically opposed to the gangster, to the gangster lifestyle. lifestyle. So to see Amish people acting like gangsters, I thought was just <laughs> hilarious. And I thought I can definitely do this. And it made me depressed because as soon as I thought of that, I thought, okay, the machine is gonna you know snap into action now. Now I have to write it. Now I, now I have to like book video time. We have to like figure out the release date. We, and I just saw my whole like next six months ahead of me. Like okay. <laughs> We're doing this. Come yeah. on. Whose idea was it? I, I don't know uh, who directed it. The scene where all the sweat is pouring off your head. I, I directed the video. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. Man. That shit was... Because <laughs> that was something that I always noticed in the original. With right, right. The singer LV where he was sweating. Yeah. And then the scene was... <laughs> I was like, yo, he caught it too. Like, I, was like, I was like, he was hot as hell singing that damn song. And, it's air conditioning. And Florence Henderson. Yes. Yes. Was she like your first, just what was the approach to her? And how did you get her to? Uh, in, in all truth, we, we we did ask Michelle Pfeiffer first because okay. she was in the original. Uh, okay. uh, and then I, uh, obviously um, uh, Florence Henderson gets all the work that Michelle Pfeiffer turns down. <laughs> so we went to her second. And, and she was amazing. She was like, you know, she really was into it. She was like sucking in her cheeks like Michelle. And just really, <laughs> really going for it. What was, the, what was the issue or what was Coolio's problem with the song? And how did that even get to be a thing? Because did you have to approve it from him first? Or did you have to approach him first to parody well, the song? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I always get permission. And uh, unfortunately, I'll never to this day know really what happened because it's, it's very he said, she said kind yeah. of thing. My record label at, at the time uh, told me that they talked to Coolio and that he okayed it. Uh, and then after the fact, uh, you know, Coolio made a public statement saying that he yeah. never approved it and that he was essentially offended by it. And, and it was it was horrible because, you know, yeah, I, right. I, you know, I, I like my track record of not upsetting anybody and having good relationships. So that was uh, and, and Coolio is fine now, by the way. But there were a number of years that there was, you know, I don't want to say bad blood, but, I, you know, I, yeah. I kind of kept my distance. So <laughs> Coolio felt some type of way, but T.I., he was cool. Yeah. No, he was great. Yeah, tell me about the the T.I. pitch and how, I mean, I'm sure he was over the roof because he probably is like us. He's a child. He was a child and fan of yours. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, I don't have a really personal story about that. Okay. That was one of those kind of things where, like, I told my manager what I, what I wanted to do, and he contacted T.I.'s people, and it came back that he was cool with it. Damn, I wonder what your percentage rate is yeah. of that. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. That, 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 I will say that was part of my pitch to um, uh, uh, Camillionaire. No, 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 uh, uh, Fancy. Oh, uh, uh, you're so fancy. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, so fancy. And, uh, Fergie. What's her no, name? No, 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 it's not Fergie. I can't remember. What's I can't name? believe I'm blanking. Oh, yeah. the girl with the booty. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 not no. her. A Ziggy. I'm so Ziggy sorry. Ziggy's Azalea. Ziggy Azalea. Ziggy 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 I'm so sorry. Damn, yo, it's so, so in the sorry. past we forgot Wait, her. Wait, I didn't see that but, one. But that was that was one where I I couldn't um I couldn't get permission through their management. Uh, they weren't weren't getting through, and and the. I was like one song away from finishing Mandatory Fun, and I wanted to do uh, my parody of Fancy because Fancy was sort of like the song of the summer. I was like, I just, you know, we have a release date. I want to record this, but we don't have permission, and n nobody was getting through. And finally, I basically had a stalker. I had to, I said, oh, she's doing a concert in Denver, Colorado. I was like, I'm flying there. And I flew to Denver, and I hung out backstage, and literally as she was walking off stage, I said, Iggy, hey, it's uh, Weird Al. I really love to do a parody of your song. <laughs> Did she know who you were? 
I think so. I think it's hard uh, to say, yeah. but I think so. And she said, "Well, she's just so aloof to me that I I wouldn't imagine that. I yeah. wouldn't give a damn." But she, <laughs> but she, she said, "You know, I I'd, I'd have to see the lyrics first. And I said, "Well, I actually happen to have them wow. in my pocket." <laughs> and I put them in front of her, and while she was reading it's, it, I said, the, it, "You know, Ti was cool with it. That was because you know, yeah, right? that's, that's yeah. boss. Ooh, ah, yeah, see? Yeah. boss man was cool. Is really? that the most extreme that you had to travel to get? It might be. I mean, um." Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever gotten on a plane <laughs> to get permission from somebody before. But wait, but wait, Al, because as I'm looking at this video for Tacky, I'm like, so Aisha and um, so the other people that you had, uh, my man from Modern Family and Eric Stone Street yes, and Jack Black and Kristen Schaal and Margaret Cho. When you Whoa. asked them, I'm sure they were like, hell fucking yeah. I mean, see, <laughs> hell freaking yeah. I'm sorry. I <laughs> but right, like, tell me, what was their reaction? Yeah, I mean, I kind of went through my address book and I, I picked some of my friends and, and and everybody that was available on that day uh, were happy to do it. it. That was the most fun I've ever had doing a video. It was just such a blast. I mean, I, I, that was one, we, we got done so quickly. I was almost uh, sad. I was like, I wish we could do this all night long. This is so fun. Yeah, damn, that's dope. How did you approach doing the R. Kelly trapped in the oh. man? Because that was, I mean, that was one of the moments I'll say, like, you've been, because I'm a person, I work, I do a lot of work, like, in TV, and I do, like, musical parodies and stuff uh -huh. for show, whatever. And the thing that I think listening to your music has taught me is that in order for something to be funny, it has to be good. Like, so if you're going to parody something, you've got to really be singing it. Like, you really got to... You got to treat you gotta it like it's a real it. song. Sure, yeah. Sure. yeah, it's got to it's gotta be believable. And the thing with all your stuff is that it always... It's funny, but if you just listen to that song, it's like, yo, this motherfucker's really singing. Like, even, like, the harmonies from the... Uh, the joint we listened to the other night. The, the uh, Johnny. Yeah, the Johnny. It was like, yo, he really singing this shit. Mm -hmm. So, with, when I heard the Trapped in the uh, Closet... was It It was Trapped in the Closet. Trapped in the drive through Trapped in the drive through That was... <laughs> trapped. That's a Trapped in the Closet is a song that is a probably a parody <laughs> in itself. So for you to do it, like what what well, led to that? Well, yeah, that was a tough one to do because that was one of those things. Trapped in the Closet was just such a monumental composition. <laughs> it was sort of like you know, it was such a thing that again, it was sort of like you know, if Weird Al doesn't do anything with this, like what, what's he thinking? <laughs> but but it, at the same time, it's, it was so weird anyway. Like wh where do you go with it? You can't really make right. it more bizarre more or weird, more ridiculous. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, the, the the humor of opposites. I'll just make it as boring and banal and monotonous and mundane as I possibly can and just make it about 11 minutes about like a couple discussing what they want to do for dinner you know and uh, wow. which, but still keeping all the drama keeping all the high drama of the original yeah. but but making about it as something ridiculously stupid man nah you you definitely you nailed it that shit was hilarious thank you I haven't quite figured out how this idea but would work but have you ever considered doing a duets album mm. I was gonna ask <laughs> have you ever did any collaborations um, not as such. I mean, that, that my first single was sort of a duet with a because I, I did a, a song called Ricky, which was me being Ricky Ricardo. I thought you oh, were Ricky, Lucy. Oh, Ricky, no, no, no. Yeah. That was that was Tress McNeil, uh, who now is like one of the most famous voiceover artists in the world. I mean, she's uh, she's on Animaniacs, she's on Simpsons. I mean, she's like one of the top people. Wow. But at, at the time, she was new in L.A. Uh, I mean, brand new. And uh, we put out an ad in some music paper saying we were looking for somebody to uh, impersonate uh, Lucille Ball, to somebody to sing like Lucille, Lucille Ball. And we got uh, literally two responses, and one of them was Tress. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> well, like getting backstage paper. And yeah, it was one of those kind of things. And she came in. She was great. And uh, she played Lucy in the video as well. That's the same person that does it on the record. 
Uh, and unfortunately, she couldn't tour with us. So whenever, you know, it was kind of weird because during that first tour, uh, our big single, we couldn't do live. So we basically just played the video. I think back then it was like on a 16 millimeter projector like mm. and here's our video you know <laughs> really oh. we, we, we couldn't we couldn't you know costume we couldn't change. have my drummer like I know, Mickey, you know we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have him trying to do tress's part that's the costume change time yeah said terry bozio did it with frank zappa anything could happen <laughs> you ever think of doing other not that i would assume to have known that you haven't but other genres is there any other genres that you would like to dip into like is there a reggae weird there is there is i mean i i've, I've covered most of the there's i'm sure there's some i haven't yet but yeah i did a reggae song called uh buy me a condo it's sort of like a bob marley-ish kind of vibe <laughs> like a like a like a jamaican yuppie song and uh some of the new genres like, I was oh, about to say, have you oh, even wrapped your song? head? Have you wrapped your head around trap music yet? Um, and mumble culture. <laughs> <laughs> so some some uh, genres are a little bit harder to uh, to parody uh, because there's there's not enough uh, uh, words raw material. Yeah, like ED, ED, EDM <laughs> would be fun to do, but you know you can't. It would be too repetitive. Or maybe you, know. you could just do polka covers of them. Of yeah, the, well, that's of true. Songs. Which is what I do. Like you know. Yeah, a polka uh, despacito. You know, like like. <laughs> yes. Yes, despacito. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would like just future on, on uh, accordion. <laughs> <laughs> and like no payoff when you get to the top. <laughs> no drops. <laughs> Dale. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I would love that. Have you uh, ever, have there been any pitches for you to do uh, like kids shows or children's shows? Man, yeah, well, really. Well, I did a children's show in the late 90s called The Weird Al Show on, on CBS. Right. It was like 90, 97, 98, something like that. But yeah, it was on uh, for well, one season, 13 shows. I was also 26 years old. Yeah. <laughs> the Weird Al Show. Hold on. You, you weren't the core. You're glad that, yeah. No, I'm I'll tell you what TV show I would like to see back come back and that's Al TV. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I used to love those Al TV when did specials. That come on? It, it was, used to be like almost one, like whenever you put would put out a new album. Yeah, well, it wasn't a peep, some people. I used to watch your old series. Like it wasn't a series or like a special that I would right, do like right, every right. year, every whenever I had an album to promote. Really, mm-hmm. uh, on but, MTV. but MTV would play play them a lot. Yeah, those were uh, brilliant. The interviews, the fake interviews. Yeah, I, I used to love those. Yeah, take love people's them. interviews out of context yeah. and play all sorts of random weird videos. I mean, that was back in the day. You know, when MTV would uh, well, first Prince, of all they play videos. Do your hair like this. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot he interviewed Prince where you know Prince did something like right, that with right, his arm. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. could you do your arm like this? Yeah. <laughs> Prince. Prince, what do you think about this beach ball? It's multicolored and it's very fun. Yeah, you know, it's just random yeah. stuff like yeah. that. You know? um, but yeah, I mean that was in, in the days when uh, MTV kind of you know was freeform. They're very guerrilla, mm-hmm. and t- to to some extent they didn't care. They're like, oh, uh, well you've got this four hours, right. just do whatever you want. Right. I and would literally, watch, I did whatever I wanted for four hours, and I would watch all four hours. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they gave me no money, but they said do whatever you want, and 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 uh, kind of went nuts. It was great. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I love those specials. Thank you, man. Um, how come you didn't pursue more movies after UHF? Uh, I would have liked to have done more movies, <laughs> but the crushing failure of uh, my first movie kind of uh, dampened everybody. But it's almost yeah. called, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a cult classic. Why, the, it is why a cult do you classic. think it failed? I mean, it was funny. I mean, why do you think it didn't go? I, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, critics, you know, generally hated it. Uh, Siskel and Ebert thought I was the Antichrist, I think. Um, and it, it came out, you know, this is sort of an excuse, but it's it's also true. It, it came out in the middle of one of the biggest blockbuster summers ever. So it came out while, you know, Batman and Lethal Weapon and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Do the Right mm, Thing. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of stuff was out at the same time. So it would have done a lot better if it had come out during a slower time of the year. 
Uh, but you know, there's, there's no telling. I mean, I, um, I'm just very happy, happy that, you know, it's found its audience and now it's at least got cult status. No, it definitely has that. When was, uh, Alapalooza? Oh, 1993. I have an autographed copy of that CD somehow. Oh, cool. Somehow. (laughs) (laughs) So do you often meet, I mean, the way that like cats come up to me like, yo man, can I spit a few bars for you? You know, like people are always trying to. I'm certain that every night there's someone that when you're doing in stores and autographs and of the like, that someone's saying like, "Hey, I'm the new you" or that sort of thing. Like, they they always uh, try to give me ideas. Like, you know what you should do, and it's always some awful parody idea that they thought of in the third grade, but they were just waiting for their chance to meet me. You know, <laughs> tell them this great idea. How do you of a laugh- Duran Duran parody from the eighties? Oh, that'll seem great. <laughs> How do you laugh them off? Like, oh yeah. Uh, the maybe. stock answer is, I'll get right to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> or not, you know, they won't hear that. No, no, no. I mean, but people that meet you and say that you know, I too want to be in the same. Because, because the thing is, is like, there's one Weird Al, and you've literally shut. You shut it down for anyone trying well. to come. I mean, there's some like morning shows that do yeah. you know things on radio, but the the thing is nowadays there's YouTube. There's avenues for people to get their stuff out there. So when when I started, it was sort of a mystery. Like, how do you penetrate this black box of you know, you know of MTV? And, and it was it was you know a little bit harder to to navigate. But even yeah, the, it seems like with your last album, you have like high humor and you, you, your level of humor and your pin game is is past just you know. It's twisting a a, ver, a, a noun yeah, and a verb around, on the, yeah. So it's it's like, are you have you thought about like, is there anyone out there like that you would like to produce? That's the next weird hour. Oh gosh, well, I, the next word, you know, coming up. I mean, there's a lot of people that do funny music. I love Lonely Island, uh, mm. Tenacious D, Flight of the Concord. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of people doing great, great comedy stuff. As far as coming up. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of funny people uh, on YouTube. Randy Rainbow is, is really funny. Um, you know, I, I don't know about producing other other acts. I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd entertain that idea, I guess. But um, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, have, we'll see on that one. Amir, can, can you tell the story or one of you tell the story about the Dilla sample with the. Oh, the, no, 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 no. With a, no, it's. The, yeah. You're thinking of accordion. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't even know what I'm asking. But, <laughs> but I want that villainy joint. Yeah. Yeah, no. One, one of my favorite moments with you ever was uh, you. It, it actually made Pitchfork, which is weird. It's, <laughs> it was like the nicest thing Pitchfork said about me <laughs> <laughs> in 2013. No, you, you, you playing uh, uh, Mad Lips yeah. accordion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know. That that was brilliant idea. No, but you no, you're not telling the like for the listeners who, like me who don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what y'all talking. But about. it wasn't weird. No, no, no. It, it wasn't Weird Al's song. It's just that when Weird Al came on the Tonight Show, right? We didn't. And he cover. had this accordion. Yeah, right. I was like, yo, we have to do uh, MF. Well, what was the project? Mad villain. Mad villain. The Mad villain uh, cover of Accordion, which is basically a song that's looped over an accordion. Actually, what. I found that loop. Yeah, it's Daedalus. It oh, is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's... You know what they're talking about, Al? 
I do okay. absolutely. Yeah, we did. We did because he was there with me. <laughs> we kind of, <laughs> oh, we right. kind of jammed on that for a while. I, I got to tell you, man, that some of my favorite times of my life were just hanging backstage with the Roots and playing with did, you guys. Didn't I see you one year at like a Roots jam? Like when it, the Grammy thing? I swear I saw him one year in L.A. at a Roots jam. You came inside of a Roots jam every year, motherfucker. No, I'm not. <laughs> you? Oh. Where the- oh, Al. Oh, Al, yes. <laughs> Is it wrong for me to play it in front of Weird Al? Hell no. Cover your ears. Black, 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 black. I ain't mean it that time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have, a, I have a, a question. So did you end up doing ten records for Scotty Brothers, or or what? Uh, what no, what, I, what I actually did, happened to Scotty? Scotty Brothers? Brothers? I feel like they're tied up in a river. Like uh, uh, Scotty Brothers also owned, uh, uh, I think, All American Broadcasting, which owned Baywatch. So they they're sitting on a pile of money somewhere. Oh, good, good for Scotty I Brothers. Think, I don't think they're a record label anymore. But I was sold as an asset, you know, because they still mm-hmm. owned however many albums on my contract. And I got sold to somebody else, and then I got sold to somebody else, and I renegotiated the contact twice. Uh, and each time I renegotiated, they tacked on a couple more albums. So basically, it became a fourteen-album <laughs> contract. Wow! And my last album, Mandatory Fun, was album number fourteen. Ah, so in just, in just do you get to own your masters or no, no? But in, in just thirty-two short years, I was able to fulfill my contractual <laughs> obligations. <laughs> so you're still. Quote on the label? No, or? no. I, I fulfilled it when I when I delivered the last album and that was it. They they wanted to uh, to re-sign me, which was very nice, and they made a you know a very generous offer. But I, after being under contract for so long, I just really kind of wanted to be a free agent, not beholden to anybody. I, I, I hate the idea of just owing people stuff. You know, I just I don't you know. Wow. I just just want, want don't want to have that kind of pressure hanging over me. Do you know who Richard Cheese is? Sure. Yes. Mark Davis. Yeah. <laughs> have you? That's. I mean, I'm I'm starting to figure out like who's the Stand-o. who's the closest person that could, My, you know, Mark, that that has a following. Yeah, that, Mark does sort of like uh, with lounge music. What I do with polka music, he does like you know the hits right. uh, of the day, like in his kind of like sh- schmaltzy Vegas lounge. Style. But is he latter day Tupac to your latter day Biggie? Like, <laughs> 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 Y'all don't mess with each other. <laughs> He's an old friend. I went to school with Sugar Knight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so wow. what, what what other labels w- w- did you end up being on after oh, Sky? Gosh, it was B- it, BMG or something? Yeah, BMG and some version of uh, CBS and Epic and RCA and uh, Volcano Records and oh, wow. you know and you know they're even even one of the weird one sounding on the, labels. Yeah, even when I was on the same label, sometimes they'd change their name or they'd add some subsidiary. And wow. I you know I've, I've probably been on a dozen different <laughs> label imprints over my career. How how um how did it feel? Because your last album actually went to number one, correct? Uh, yeah. How surreal was that that your you had the number one pop album? It it blew my mind. It really did because uh, you know it was basically unprecedented. It, the the, the uh, never before had a comedy album debuted at number mandatory one. Mandatory fun, right? Yeah, mandatory fun. And 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 the last time a comedy album even reached number one was in 1963. Bob Newhart, right? That was Alan Sherman. But back in the early 60s, I mean, you know, comedy albums go to number one all the time. Alan Sherman had three number one albums, and Bob Newhart won, like, the album of the year, the Grammys, I believe. It was like, you know, back then, like, comedy was, you know, viewed as more important. Uh, But, yeah, there hadn't been a number one album since then. And I just kind of thought that that was, you know, there was a glass ceiling or whatever. It it, it just was, like, not within the realm of possibility. I thought, oh, I really hope that my last album cracks the top ten, because that would be cool for me to kind of go out in a big way. And then when I found out that... um, you know, I had a good chance of hitting number one. Uh, 
it, it was very surrealistic for me because, you know, I, I'm obsessed with the Billboard charts. And I've, I've been studying them for decades. Mm-hmm. And to think that I would have a number one album was just beyond my comprehension. That's weird. So you, you, you'd have to do a parody of one of your songs. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's impossible. The world would The Weird Al Inception. That's crazy. Al, uh, thank you for doing this for us. I well, mean, it's such a pleasure, man. Thank you. We're such fans of yours. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. On the tour. On your yeah. on the tour. Get your yes. star on the Walk of Fame. Oh, right? thank you. Yes. 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 So all those things. Yes. I also have to come back in, to my roll call. I wasn't lying when I said that was one of the top 10 shows I've ever seen in my entire life. How old were you when you seen it? I was in my 20s. It was I was in college at the time. And it was um, um, like maybe 99, 2000 uh-huh. or something like that. And running with a scissors tour, maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I considered myself a fan, but I didn't really realize how many of your songs I knew until I saw you perform them all back to back to back to no, back. No, even sitting here just talking yeah. about it, I was like, damn, he did do that one. Yeah, he did and, do that one. Like, that's yeah. pretty much how it was. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh man, I forgot about that one. And I yeah. forgot about And Ricky. then I started realizing, yeah, I remember the lyrics too. And so I'm just like, <laughs> I'm a bigger Weird Al fan than I thought I was, you know? And so, like, after that, I started really going back deeper and deeper into the catalog, and it was just, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm still going through my Weird Al phase. <laughs> Damn, now, you know, my first show is going to be the... the. You, you should go. Like, I saw this man was hopping around on one leg with the other leg behind his head during the... Like, what? It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> Yes. Can I still do that? Oh, yeah. What? He still got it. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Be careful. Yo, be careful. Yeah, that is a lot. Oh, 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 shit. Oh, and yeah. it oh. is done. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And I'm an old man. It's worthless. <laughs> wow, yeah, man. That must be that vegetarian. Yoga is that yoga? It's right. Is that yoga? Shows, yeah. One of the most I, I, I entertaining had, I shows I had all my ever. bones removed, so I'm, you know. <laughs> wow. But yeah, one of the most entertaining shows I've ever seen Thank in my you. entire life. Wow. That's amazing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. How do you describe that? What we just seen on the radio? I, uh, <laughs> so he took his we, leg. He just we did. got we got photo. We'll, we'll post it up on, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> Contortionist Al Yankovic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on behalf of Sugar Steve and Boss Bill and Fontigolo and it's like yeah. Uh, Al, we thank you very much for coming yes. on the show. My pleasure. Thank I you. can't wait to finally see you in concert. The deep cuts. Maybe we'll just do one of the hits for the encore, <laughs> just for me. Uh, this is Quest Love of the Quest Love Supreme, and uh, we will see you on the next go round. Thank you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.